We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. This week, we'll be talking MLS parody with uh, T. Uh, S- uh, Saul. Ooh, I know Saul. Machi wants to talk about Saul. Playoff stock, Rushdie, U.S. Best 11, Weston, Pulisic, Sergeant, Hayo, Cleats, and so much more. But first joining me, as always, the aforementioned friend and colleague and my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you doing on this Wednesday, August 17th in the year 2022? We just did this a couple days ago. I what know. Is this about? We're doing it again. We're doing it again. We're cranking out the content. Uh, we are attempting... I think we'll be successful in this, in putting out two episodes of the State of the Union each and every week. You've seen over the last couple of months, we've done uh, many interviews. This will be a normal type of State of the Union, and we will continue to do that. There's st- there certainly will be interviews and stuff that we go on, but we're going we're gonna, to uh, try to get you two episodes of the State of the Union each and every week. So uh, we, p- we appreciate uh, that you hang out for one, let alone two. But I- as far as I'm concerned, Mossy, when it comes to you... Uh, more is more, okay? So we're going to give you as much mossy as you can possibly handle. Uh, my friend, uh, I, I don't want to uh, bury the lead here. So your Better Call Saul is done. It is over. Verdict? Very solid finale. Uh, terrific last batch of episodes and an overall great series that exceeded all my expectations. Uh, I know you're going to ask Pantheon, me. Pantheon, what are we looking at here? Uh, I think it is a very legitimate debate. Uh, better call Saul versus Breaking Bad. I know our colleague Kat Donnelly was appalled when I suggested that the other day. But, it's probably uh, not the first time she's been appalled at something you've said. Yeah, it's a, it is a conversation that members of the television intelligentsia are having uh, because Better Call Saul was that good. And, and mind you, I'm a huge Breaking Bad guy. Sure. It's in my Mount Rushmore of dramas, a top three along with Sopranos and The Wire. Um, so to think that you could have a show that good and then you could make sort of a spinoff that's, I think, arguably a smarter, more well-crafted show. So I'm, I'm sort of reconciling the fact that, on the one hand, I still think Breaking wow. Bad is one of the greatest shows of all time, but it might not even be the best show in its own tree. Uh, that's how much I liked Better Call Saul. I won't reveal any major plot points um, for people that haven't watched it yet, but um, I will say one thing Better Call Saul got right uh, was they crafted a great female character. That's something that Breaking Bad got dinged for, not having... Uh, frankly, a lot of these prestige dramas haven't done right by their female characters, but uh, for Better Call Saul, I think everybody's favorite character on the show was a female Kim Wexler. She was the one that we were most emotionally invested in at the end. Uh, absolutely love her. One of my favorite TV characters of all time. So that was great. Mad Men is the other show that had some really compelling female characters, Peggy, Joan. So uh, I'll give them credit for that. But I mean, Kim Wexler to me is right up there in the pantheon of great TV characters. So that was really neat that they created a great female character. Well, like that, that is a ringing endorsement, if I've ever heard one. Uh, so um, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that it didn't jump the shark. And I'm sure it has ups and downs, and, and even in, in the greatness of it. But I'm glad that it finished strong. And now that it is over, and it fits with my criteria, I will now be able to watch it uh, from start to end. And you know I'll binge it. 
And you've seen Breaking Bad. I have seen Breaking Bad. Yes, indeed. I, I remember doing that. Oh, boy, that was a marathon month or so of, uh, of binging that. I, I forgot to mention on, uh, on our previous show this week, there was a point when um, news broke of the assassination attempt of Salman Rushdie, uh, the author of the Satanic Verses, and you immediately uh, texted me because you know I was talking about it on on Twitter, and you sent me the link to a uh, a documentary on YouTube, and I immediately watched it, and it was really really good, and it gives you not just a refresher on this because I was obsessed at the time that the uh, um, that the Satanic Verses came out and what this was all about. I had not read anything before. And but the whole story of it just fascinated me. And it seems that he is while he is hurt, uh, he is going to be OK. Thankfully, this this crazy person uh, did not do the damage in terms of killing him that they had intended. Uh, but it seems like he's going to lose an eye and all that kind of stuff. But the um, uh, the YouTube doc and you can find it if you just uh, pull it up. It's really, really interesting and gives you a whole lot of, uh, of a context when it comes to his story. And it ends with incredibly chilling line in retrospect. Uh, this documentary was in 2009 on the 20-year anniversary of when the fatwa was declared by the Ayatollah Khomeini. And in 2009, the documentary ends with Salon's sister saying, I think he may always be a target for some lunatic out there. Right. And unfortunately, that turned out to be true. Exactly. So uh, I'm happy that he's, uh, that he's okay, but the story just con uh, continues on. The other thing is, um, I watched uh, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, Manti uh, Manti Teo. Uh, you remember this story? And I remember this story, and we all laughed at it. And it's a really fascinating look at the story and I still have questions of the story, even after watching this uh, this documentary. But it, it certainly humanizes the, the the people that are involved in it, and the, you know the whole catfishing um, uh, aspect of it. Is that what it's called? Yeah, catfishing. Yeah, is that what it's? Uh, is, that, is, that what, is that what we're calling? Yeah, yeah, right. I think I got it right. Um, that whole aspect of it, and it is just it's a bonkers type of story. And they got all of the people that were involved on camera. Uh, talking about it. And it's one of those things that was all people were talking about it at a certain point, and then it, kind of, it went away. And now coming back and, and revisiting it and saying, oh my God, I remember it was everywhere. It's ubiquitous in terms of this, this football player um, who fell into this crazy type of situation. So those are the uh, two recommendations for, uh, for today. Uh, my friend, are you uh, ready to light this candle? All right, we're going to dive right into it because there is plenty of soccer that has happened um, between our first show and now our second show of the week. Where do you want to start? Well, let's circle back to some of the Monday games that we weren't able to talk about on our previous podcast, uh, beginning with Liverpool Crystal Palace, finished 1-1 at Anfield. Zaha scored for Palace. Luis Diaz equalized with an incredible goal. Uh, but the big story here, Darwin Nunez got himself sent off uh, for a headbutt on uh, Anderson, the Palace defender. And, and the discourse here was, was kind of amusing because, you know, there's a type of Premier League pundit that thinks everything that happens at the Premier League is unique, in, including <laughs> mental warfare. And so they were <laughs> acting like, oh, Darwin Nunez has to adjust to something that he's probably never faced anywhere else. Defenders goading him in that way. And meanwhile, others were pointing out that this guy is Uruguayan. He, he's played South American <laughs> football. He's played in Spain, played right. in Portugal, played in the Champions League. So... Yeah. Uh, listen, he had a moment of madness, but I don't think it's because the concept of a defender trying to goad him was new to him, but uh, he reacted the way he did. Oh, yeah. I mean, the shithousery that happens <laughs> is not unique to uh, the EPL or unique to a specific uh, a specific player. You know, Anderson, there's a wonderful uh, video out there that goes through all of the different moments and all of the needling that was happening prior to the actual event. And look, the as we said, the dark arts... Um, if they are done well, they can be incredibly effective. You know, nowadays with all of the cameras and obviously with VAR, it's a little bit more difficult to do things. And yes, I do find a, a strange uh, respect in seeing it when it is done correctly. And sometimes it's a thousand cuts, right? It's all the little stuff that's happening that then boils over into that moment. And yes, Nunez needs to be smarter. It was a dumb thing for him to do, especially in, in that moment. So whatever guile that he may have amassed over his career, it was not in, on display in that moment. And yes, I can look at Anderson and say, hey, mission accomplished. You know, what I used to do is, and, and I didn't go about, because it all, often would take me off of my game if I was concentrating on how to get in the guy's head. But stuff, you know, stupid stuff like, 
when you were marking in a back four and one of the one of the strikers makes that cross uh, cross the plane run to get the ball into one of the channels, you while you're looking at the ball, you still know that he's coming from your periphery, and all you do is take a step forward as he's making that run across, and he just smashes into you right there. And then you raise, oh, I'm so sorry, blah 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 blah. blah. Used to do that all the time. I remember doing it to uh, <laughs> to Josh Wolf, the current coach of. Uh, uh, of Austin uh, right now. And that, so that's an old type of thing, the stepping on the foot, the holding, all that kind of stuff that we have, talk, uh, we, that we have talked about. But yeah, it, it, did it change the complexion of the game? Yes. But it already wasn't really going well for Liverpool. And look, we set a pretty high bar when it comes to Liverpool. If they're not smashing the team and, and, and scoring goals and everybody is happy, the, the the assumption is that something is wrong. It wasn't a great day for Liverpool, and that certainly wasn't a great moment for Nunes, who so far has been good, but um, he's obviously going to have to control himself going forward. Uh, speaking of Palace defenders, uh, Chris Richards came on late in the second half for his debut. Played pretty well in the few minutes he was yep. on the field, and obviously U.S. fans have an eye on him because lots are hoping that he'll overtake Aaron Long for that other starting center back spot alongside Zimmerman. Yeah, this is it's good that he obviously is is on the field and they're they're bringing him along slowly or they're just not sold on him yet. But he didn't look out of place when he came on the field and did what he needs to do. He's still, as we know, young. He is still to a certain extent raw, but that they have the faith to at least put him on the field, especially you know against this type of opponent. That is good and it bodes well for him coming up in this camp and then maybe. He can parlay it into that starting spot uh, for the U.S. team in the World Cup. Speaking of U.S. players, Juve kicked off their Serie A campaign with a 3-0 win over Sassuolo. Wesson McKinney started this match, having made an incredibly rapid recovery from that dislocated shoulder, played 70-something minutes, uh, looked pretty good, I thought. Uh, amazing story. <laughs> I mean, the dude's a warrior, okay? The, the guy, you want him on your team. We talked a little bit about this in, in the previous pod, about that type of attitude. And, you know, he's got a bum, bum wing, right? And shoot me up or tape me up or do whatever because he wants to be on the field. And in this day and age, again, I know I'm sounding grumpy old man, but he's a throwback. And maybe that's why I have an affinity. That's why it, it warms the cockles of my redheaded American heart to see an American who has some of the traits and the behaviors and the characteristics that I love, not just in soccer players, but in athletes in general. And it's not that it can't exist in this quote-unquote new generation. And as a matter of fact, here is a clear example of it existing in that he wants to be out there. He doesn't, he doesn't have to be out there. This is still Weston McKinney, and I'm not saying he can't lose his spot, but he's making plenty of money. He's a big star. He's got me and many others talking about possibilities of moves and all, all that kind of stuff. And even in his moment when he is injured, at a time when, let's be honest, players will take that time off. It's good or bad, but that's the reality of it. He said, no, I want to play. He's playing hurt. That's, as sad as it sounds, that is a rarity in the modern game. Uh, Di Maria with a goal and an assist. Great signing for you, but he might be the best player in Serie A this season. Vlahovic scored twice. Vlahovic is this rising star in the European club game, but there's no guarantee he's going to start up front for Serbia at the World Cup because of how well Mitrovic has done for the national team. And I have my eye on that situation because that's Brazil's first game against Serbia on November 24th. Um, but you're not uh, looking at Serbia as a, as a dark horse, even with the talent that they have, right? No, they're one of my dark horses. Okay, I am okay, about that all right, team, okay. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, Atletico Madrid began their La Liga campaign, 3-0 win over Getafe. Morata scored twice. That's an interesting situation because they had loaned him to Juventus. We're hoping Juventus would buy him permanently. We're kind of annoyed that Juventus sent him back this summer. They were shopping him around, but then he had a very good preseason, including a hat-trick against Juventus, and now he begins the La Liga campaign scoring twice against Getafe in the opener, so he's going to stick around and probably be Atletico's star starting center forward, and probably the starting center forward for Spain at the World Cup. You mentioned uh, Di Maria. Did you see the handshake with him in, uh, in, West, in yeah, West? Yeah, I mean, there's, so there's, there's, there's a personality there that I think people gravitate to and players gravitate to. I mean, he, and look, I, don't, I have not hung out with him in that type of uh, capacity. But from the outside, it looks like someone you want to hang out with and that you want to spend the time to choreograph a handshake that you are going to use in public. So uh, that, that was fun to see, too. Uh, one more American in Europe to hit on. Uh, Norwich played a uh, championship match Tuesday against Huddersfield. They won 2-1. Josh Sargent started at center forward and had a good game, scored. 
Uh, what do you think? I mean, he's kind of a guy we had moved on from just because of the position he was playing. But if he gets a run at center forward, does well, does he work his way back into the picture for the U.S. national team? Form is fallacy, my friend. We- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grant loves that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was good. And to see him in that, first off, playing that position was good. And then doing what you want in some of that position is good. He also, you know, he also was involved in play, assisting and doing that kind of stuff. So that's that's a that's a good thing. But I don't think that Greg Berhalter, while he's happy that this is happening to him, I don't think a light has clicked on. And oh my goodness, Josh Sargent is now the starter for the uh, the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, one MLS game to hit on Tuesday night: LAFC beat DC United one nil. Apoku with the only goal. Uh, Bale and Kellini sat out again, still as part of this load management. What do you make of that? Well, evidently, load management is managing not to play, <laughs> <laughs> which, from an external and neutral perspective, is a load of crap. Okay, so that's the load management. Um, not that S- Steve Chirundolo, the head coach of LAFC, should give uh, you know any crap. Speaking of crap, about what I say. He's doing a wonderful job job in bringing them along slowly, and they're not suffering. They keep winning. Now, this was an interesting LAFC game because this was not pretty. And uh, I actually was driving into work, and I talked to uh, Matt Doyle. I was having a conversation with him. I know you know Matt Doyle uh, over there from Major League Soccer. And you know he was, he was really interested, interesting in the way that he juxtaposed you know, the the LAFC of a few years ago, which was historically good, and not only historically good, but historically beautiful in the way that they played. And we were talking, and, and he made a point, a really good point, about how this LAFC team is, is not beautiful, all right? This LAFC team can grind out results. This LA, LAFC team can get pragmatic when it needs to. And it's not that it can't have moments of beauty, but that's not kind of how this team is formulated because this was this was not an easy game for them and yet they 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 showed patience and they finally got uh they finally got that goal against by the way arguably the worst team in uh, in the league and we saw that that parody that we talk so much about in major league soccer uh on display here where the worst team in the league arguably can take on the best team in the league I guess it's arguable at this point, but for most people, LAFC is far and away the best team in Major League Soccer. And it still looks like a soccer game, and it still can go both ways. And even after DC went down, they still, were, they still hit the post. And so it was an enjoyable game, but it wasn't necessarily a beautiful game from an LAFC perspective. I will say, just to counter that, LAFC are on track to break the single-season points record New England set last year. And it is funny, for all the talk about parity and MLS, how often that record's been broken the last few seasons. We're starting to see some teams master the regular season to be pretty dominant, at least in regular season play. We know the playoffs are the great equalizer with all that. Um, but uh, let's spin it forward now. Let's to do it, upcoming yeah. Game. Let's start with the women's game we have our eye on. I, I should mention that we are recording this on Wednesday, okay? So there are already MLS games as we're recording this in progress. Um, and just, just so everybody knows, you are listening to this on a Thursday, so the ga- those games will have been done. You know, we'll... We'll try to push things forward and you know uh, and calculate all of that in, but you should know that too. No, that's fair. That's a good reminder. Uh, let's start with the women's game. You recently interviewed Heather O'Reilly in the pod. She came out of retirement uh, to play in the uh, Women's Champions League, and she's going to feature for Shelbourne FC against uh, Slovenian opposition. I won't even try to pronounce that. <laughs> Pomurji uh, from Slovenia. Yeah. So uh, a reminder, had a really interesting and cool interview with the, the great Heather O'Reilly as she came out of retirement to kind of check this Champions League uh, box. And this is the moment that she came out of retirement for. Uh, tomorrow, uh, by the time you're listening to this, the game will be over. She and her Shelburne uh, FC team will have faced this Slovenia team. And if she gets on the field, she will have checked that box of playing in Champions League. Now, obviously, she wants to go go farther and continue on. But I, I, I just think it's a it's a fascinating and wonderful story. And it, if if anybody out there is poo pooing her efforts, I don't I don't know how you could possibly do it. But if you are, then you have no joy in your life and you should see somebody about that. Alrighty. 
Um, so some games we're looking forward to Friday. Oh wait, Saturday. did you see she took a shot at Twitter, uh, at Ronaldo? Yes, that was pretty funny. Yeah, she's at 37. <laughs> I'm playing in the Champions League, and Ronaldo is not. Oh That's wow, classic Heather it's O'Reilly. Just, she's yeah. just coming from the top rung. Bam, beautiful. Well, so some games we we're looking forward to at the weekend. We begin Friday night MLS. Uh, massive game with playoff implications in the West. The Galaxy facing the Sounders. Galaxy coming off that uh, this past weekend had a nice 5-2 win over uh, Vancouver. Uh, Grand Sears scoring twice. Uh, Seattle, we know, had that loss to RSL. Uh, this is this is huge. This is a huge, huge game. Really huge, yeah? This is, you know, this is a classic type of matchup, and it comes at a time when both of these teams are desperate for points, in particular the Sounders, and yet over the course of history, the Sounders have actually had the Galaxy's number, so I don't think in any way the, the Sounders fear the Galaxy. And you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, uh, this musical chairs type of situation that's coming with, uh, with the playoffs. But the reality is that right now, if you are one of these teams in that middle section, you, you, you get two or three wins in a row. And you can very, very quickly completely change the perception of who you are as a team and obviously your fortunes relative to the uh, relative to the playoffs. So it would not surprise me in the least, even with the struggles that the Gal- or that the uh, Sounders are having, if they came into Dignity Health on Friday night and, and beat the Galaxy and beat them handily. Uh, also, I'm not talking long-term injuries, but for the first time, I think we're going to have a Sounders team that for the most part is healthy. And I know they have big, uh, big losses with Jao Paulo and... Uh, Obed Vargas and stuff like that, but they are going to have their their full team, if you will, uh, going against the Galaxy, and it's going to be fun. We don't know if uh, how are we pronouncing it? Uh, the, the the new guy from Barcelona. I, I pronounce it Pooch Puig, but I've heard vastly different pronunciation. Pooch, Pooch. Puig. I mean, um, but, but, but he yeah, could he make could, a he, he could make, make his scene. debut absolutely. Yeah. So that's a big story as well. Yep. Uh, Saturday, I love this game. Minnesota facing Austin. You have this uh, clash of Argentinian playmakers with Reynoso and Driussi, which we get a lot of that MLS because there are certainly a lot of great Argentinian playmakers from Sebastian Blanco, Lucas Alarayan, Luciano Acosta, uh, Maxi Morales still, even Tiago Amada. Um, so, you know, and we get one with two of the best here. Let me ask you something. Do you think that MLS in particular is a league that enables and maybe celebrates maybe in almost a throwback way that type of position that we're talking about much more so than the rest of the world absolutely i've, I've made that point on this podcast the the number 10 seems to be dying out that traditional right. number 10 seems to be dying out everywhere else but it's alive and well in mls uh you still have these classic but it's but it's interesting that those players still exist though even though they're dying out maybe in terms of their abilities and their places around the world it's still a position that from a young age they are cultivating uh, in terms of development there. So it hasn't been completely phased out as an actual uh, position to play. But like you say, I think it I think it adds just an element of intrigue and excitement and entertainment when both of them have these types of playmakers that can do magic in uh, in in moments and and they're going to come up against very, very different types of teams, um, although both of them. I think at times can get really stretched, and maybe that's a that, maybe that's a good thing for the uh, for the neutral, maybe not for the coaches, but yeah, to your point, uh, eight o'clock Eastern, Minnesota hosting Austin. Uh, two games with massive Eastern Conference playoff implications, and we'll get into that more as you mentioned in our next segment, the playoff uh, stock watch. But uh, Inter Miami facing Toronto, who have had this infusion of Italian talent in Insigne and Bernadeschi, and then the Red Bulls taking on Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, in particular, Miami versus Toronto, because these are both teams on the ascendancy. And it, I, I, I want to believe that Miami is, is legit. I'm still not convinced. I do believe that Toronto is legit. I just worry that they're going to run out of time ultimately. I mean, l- let's be honest. If we started the season right now with what Toronto is, the perception of Toronto <laughs> would be completely different. And yet they dug themselves a hole. And, and, but we, now we look at it with the additions that they have that have fundamentally changed the, the, the dynamic of that entire team uh, for the better. So that's going to be fun. If Miami comes out of that with, uh, with a win, then I will absolutely say that they are justified in terms of saying that they're legit. Cincinnati is another chance for Brandon Vasquez to impress. I know you and... 
Yep. And Walt carried your feud over onto Twitter after you addressed the, his comments <laughs> on this podcast. So. Uh, uh, we are efforting, I think, as they say, to get uh, Brandon Vasquez on the State of the Union. I think I think we'll be successful in doing in doing that. That should uh, be something that we can do, and it'll be fun to talk to him if we get him on about what's going on from a club perspective because he's on fire, and then obviously spinning it forward to potential national team uh, going forward. Uh, as far as the Premier League this weekend, Saturday, Arsenal away to Bournemouth. Arsenal looking to make it three wins out of three to start the season. Uh, they're a team I have a close eye on right now because of Jesus and Martinelli. We'll see if they can keep their good I mean, that's together. the highlight right on the Saturday games. It's not a great slate of Saturday uh, Saturday matchups when it comes to the EPL. So, and and <laughs> everyone kind of seems to be waiting for, <laughs> for Arsenal to have that moment. And people also seem to be incredulous that they can't have that moment. And they haven't had it yet. And so everyone's saying, well, I don't quite want to believe that this is an actual legit Arsenal team that is living up to some of the past greatness that we have had. But, you know, uh, five straight wins in 2020, and they're looking to go three straight here in 2022, right? Are we in 2022? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sunday leads Chelsea. Now, this... Could have been a great celebration of American soccer with Jesse Marsh, Aronson, and Adams on one side, Pulisic on the other. But who knows if Pulisic is going to play or indeed if he's even going to be a Chelsea player by the time Sunday rolls around because the Christian Pulisic transfer rumors exploded in the last couple days. He's been linked all over the place, including Manchester United, which is a team we're going to get to in a second. But uh, I mean, we've talked about this plenty, but we, we have to revisit it. I mean, that the, are you now getting the sense that he's going to go? That there are so many teams now that, that he is being linked to means that he is he is either being, well, he's being shopped no matter what, but where did the shopping come from? Did they come to him and, and encourage this to happen? Did he come to them and encourage, hey, listen, I, I, I kind of need to go to a place where I'm playing. And what are, I'm, I'm, really, I'm more interested in what are his motivations? Listen, I know we are ultra focused on the World Cup. And it is huge. And it would be for Christian Pulisic and anybody else playing. But the the circus is going to come and go. And you are going to be left with a career. And so these decisions that the players are making, if they're short-term, okay. Um, And a loan certainly can be short-term. But I actually, I love some of these things. Uh, Whether it's the Newcastle rumor that we've heard um, or the Manchester United rumor uh, that we heard. When it comes to Manchester United, and I, and I said the same thing, I think, about Weston. I look at it as an opportunity. I look at it as an opportunity to pe- be part of something where you return them to glory. Yes, there is a savior aspect to it. But in doing so, you can become a legend. Now, I don't know how much any of these players think about that. But that's how I look at it. And no matter what you say, it's still Manchester United. It is still a super club. It is still, still global in nature. And at some point... Somebody is going to fix this train wreck. And if you are part of that group that gets the credit, you will be legendary. And it would be incredible if it was someone like Christian Pulisic, I mentioned Weston McKinney before, that were able to be associated with that return to greatness because you will never, ever be forgotten again, regardless of what you do. I'll tell you what, let's go there next. Okay. I know the game's on Monday, but Manchester United will host Liverpool. Uh, the fans are planning a big protest of what they call the vile ownership of the Glazers. Uh, in the midst of all this, Elon Musk put out a tweet musing about buying Manchester United. Now he's clarified that he was joking, but uh, uh, that tweet caught your attention. You have some thoughts on that? Well, I mean, first off, we know that Elon loves to tweet, and he uses it a- as a almost a, a video game, if you will. And he enjoys poking people. I loved it. Um, I know that because Manchester United is a public, publicly traded company, it has ramifications, but I don't think that he has any responsibility in, in terms of his tweet impacting stock prices or anything of a company that he has nothing to do with right now. Uh, also, a company that is publicly traded is, by all accounts, if if the right person were to come along, potentially up for sale. So, I mean... We know that's not happening, but it, it, I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> and I will say, the last couple of days in terms of Manchester United transfer rumors have been absolutely insane. I've heard everybody from Serginho Dest right? to 
Frankie de Jong to Casemiro, Casemiro. to Milinkovic Savage to Moises Caicedo to Christian Pulisic. Um, I mean, who, probably a couple more I'm forgetting. But uh, and you know, if it was if it was a club like Liverpool, you'd sort of roll your eyes and think, okay, most of this is, is nonsense. But with Manchester United, they're so dysfunctional right now. They, I actually believe that they're sort of contemplating all these different players and don't know which way to go, and are just kind of throwing stuff against the wall and see what sticks. I mean, it, trying to figure well, out what's real they, and what why, isn't. Why here. is it dysfunctional to be attempting to actually rectify the situation and fix the situation? But you you think you'd zero in on a couple of targets. That, you know, Because it, what if they do nothing? They're going to get crushed if they do nothing. But it's so now of, when they're actually doing something... But, but doing something with some sense of direction. Like, oh, there's a couple of players I picked out. I can see why they picked them out. It makes sense. It just seems like they're throwing a bunch of names against the wall. What would that be, to be like Stop. To Come be on, like, Mossy. To be Mossy. like, a, to, to no. be like okay, our first choice was Rabio, and if we can't get him, then our fallback is Casemiro. That, that that seems very odd. They're two very different types of players. The, the different, <laughs> you know what I mean. There's not sort of like, oh, I could see you didn't you you wanted this guy, you couldn't get him, so you went for a guy with a very similar profile. So I could see the type of player you're targeting. <laughs> They're just kind of throwing out big names that one one guy has nothing to do with the other. I don't. Uh, you don't I, agree. I don't see it like that. <laughs> I, I don't see it like that. I think they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Uh, and and that that doesn't absolve them from the responsibility. Ultimately. Whatever train wreck it is, it is the, of their creation. But if they go and try to fix it with not a great track record, uh, understandably, and I, and I totally get that and respect that, but I'm not going to fault them for actually going out and trying to do things to stem the tide, to fix it uh, out there. Your point, though, is valid in that if they are going out and doing that without a plan, and we're just assuming that there is no plan. But if they're going out there without a plan, yes, you can make a bad situation worse. Mateus Cunha, another one. I don't know if I mentioned him when I read a lot of those things, <laughs> but I heard his name mentioned the last couple of days. Um, Newcastle, you mentioned, the other team that's been linked to Christian Pulisic, they face Manchester City, which is kind of fascinating because City are what Newcastle is hoping to become. Although I will say they've taken a more measured approach than I thought. They haven't been throwing money around willy-nilly these first couple of windows since the takeover. So they're, they're kind of taking There is a method to that madness over there when it comes to Newcastle. Right? And I will say, I, j I just had a, I was in a World Cup meeting today. Uh, our boss, Zach Kenworthy, the, the Pulisic situation was a big topic of conversation. He asked me, where would you go if you were Pulisic, Newcastle or Manchester United? I said, without hesitation, Newcastle. I've, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've actually watched an inordinate amount of Newcastle because they have this Brazilian midfielder. I love Bruno Guimarães. And there is such goodwill at that club right now. The fans are so happy uh, with this team and Eddie Howe and everything that's going on that, you know, Christian Pulisic would walk into a situation. To me, at United, he'd be trading in one toxic situation for another arguably even more toxic. Well, at Newcastle, everybody would be so happy. His first game, he would get a standing ovation. Everybody would be so excited to have him. It would just be a whole different vibe. And I think there, he he does have a realistic path to starting week in and week out. So, and, and with all the money they have and what they're going to be building in the next couple of years, being a guy that got in on the ground floor and all that. So I, I think Newcastle is actually the better play here for him if, if those are the choices. Uh, so in this process, when it comes to Newcastle, we know they certainly are not where they want to be yet, but relative to a game against Man City with what Man City is, any chance of uh, them coming out with points there? Uh, no, they can they can make it interesting, but I see City uh, yeah, picking up. Me too. Uh, you mentioned the uh, uh, the Leeds Chelsea game uh, with uh, Jesse Marsh and company in America and all that kind of stuff. Uh, any chance against this uh, this Chelsea team for Leeds? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think they could get a result there. You do. Um, uh, two uh, non-Premier League games that have our attention. Uh, Barcelona away to Real Sociedad. Uh, Barcelona looking to bounce back from a disappointing La Liga opener held to a nil-nil draw at home by Rayo Vallecano. Sociedad beat Cadiz in their opener. Um, I'm expecting Jules Koundé to be available. He's the last of those signings that they weren't able to register, but now they've had a few extra days, so I think they'll get that done. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, Barcelona's got sort of a bullseye on their back because everybody's been put off by what they did this summer, so... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can, you know, they, they went into this season with a lot of good feeling as far as their own fans, and they were let down by that opener. We'll see if they can get a victory. They're, they're put off because they went and signed players or just with all the drama about signing players? Yeah. I mean, people just struggle to reconcile. You know, we've talked about I how know, a club with no money can. <laughs> uh, I, I get it. But again, what <laughs> we scream and yell to do something. And then when people actually do something, we scream and yell that they are doing something not in the way that we want it to be done. All right, I get it. Anyway, what's next? Uh, Lil, uh, home to PSG, 
in Liga. Um, I'll give you like the the nerdy hipster yes uh, okay. storyline here. Uh, Lille won the league uh, two seasons ago. Their manager was Christophe Galtier, and the architect of that team was Luis Campos. Both of them are now at PSG. Galtier is the manager, Campos is the sporting director. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Timmy Way, unfortunately, uh, he's been uh, sidelined with a foot injury and is unlikely to play in this one. Uh, he would have been facing his former club member. He came up with PSG. But okay, the uh, the soap opera aspect of this, which is what everybody's interested in, is the Neymar Mbappe dynamic. Particularly if PSG earn a penalty in this game, everybody's gonna be watching <laughs> and see who takes it and, and what the body language is of the guy who doesn't take it. They had a meeting uh, this week with with the two of them. Uh, the aforementioned Galtier and Campos got Neymar and Mbappe in a room together to try to orchestrate some sort of detente uh and uh you know we'll see where it goes but yeah as, as Thierry Henry commented I mean this is uh typical PSG there's always got to be oh some sort Thierry's of never had any drama uh, of course okay all right I love it I'm 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 here for it. but as far as the actual game uh, it's PSG regardless of who takes the penalties right against Lille yeah you would think all right uh anything else Masi all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're going to do a little MLS playoff stock watch. Don't go anywhere. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we're back. And as I mentioned, we're doing a little MLS playoff stock watch here. You will see basically what teams we are buying or we are selling relative to the upcoming MLS playoffs that are not so far off here uh, in the future. How do you want to start this and do this, Mossy? Uh, Columbus, I'm super high on them. They're a definite buy for me. That, yeah. that one-two punch of Cucho and Villarreal is, is the, one of the best things going in the league right now. Yep, and they stay healthy. Uh, yes, that's a buy for me too. Uh, Orlando, I'm actually going to sell here. I don't love the way they've played. Now, I do think... Uh, with apologies to Todd Donovan, they're going to win the U.S. Open Cup by beating Sacramento Republic in the right. final. So they're going to kick get... on, maybe a kick on from a. Yeah, so they're going to have something to salvage this season. But I don't know. I have a, I have a feeling that they're going to finish on the outside looking in here as far as the you do. I am going to buy, not a hard buy, but a a, a buy. And listen, you, your portfolio has to diversify, right? So you have to have different things that you're doing. I'm not saying that I'm 100 percent sure, not even close to 100 percent sure, but I am going to believe that Oscar Perea is heading in the right direction and is only going to get better as we get closer and closer to this line. So I am, unlike you, I am going to buy. You're not buying Orlando. Got it. Okay. Uh, so this might be where the deviation comes because I am buying Inter Miami. Uh, mm. I like the way they've played. The Pozuelo pickup 
Iguain looking motivated again. Yeah, I'm gonna sell. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell. So that's my probably end. where we differ. Yes, because yes. I think we're both buying New England. Um, uh uh-uh, uh, no, no, oh, I'm not buying. I'm not buying. Boy, New England. I, I like the way they've played. They've won their last two. They haven't conceded a goal in their last four. And if you look at their record since uh, they dropped out of CCL in stunning fashion against Pumas, mind you. Uh, it's actually not bad, so it's it's it's, it's a playoff level record. So um, so yeah, I think Bruce Arena gets him over the line. New England makes the playoffs. Uh, I I think that this is not a a healthy, not physically, but just healthy team, and I think that this is a team that is going to stumble. And yeah, I'm not buying it. Um, so I'm selling New England. This version of New England. So mind you, you only have six in right now, so you're going to have to buy either Cincinnati, Chicago, or... Oh, oh Toronto coming oh, up the rear. Yes, yes, okay. Um, uh, I forgot that I, you're big on Toronto. So, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so I mean, you're, you're selling Cincinnati, which I am as well. I, I love to watch that team. There's so much fun with Acosta, Brenner, and Vasquez, but they're too flaky. They, they blow leads, and, you know, they... they For all... Cincinnati? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah. It, it's hit and miss with them. Too much so. Yeah, but I am buying. So neither of us are buying Cincinnati, ultimately. But it's still going to be considered a successful year for Cincinnati, even if they don't make the playoffs, <laughs> given where they came from. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to run out of steam when they get to the uh, you know, the final lap, if you will, here for a playoff thing. But I am buying Toronto. Are you buying Toronto? Well, It's close, man. I've, it's going to be real close. I don't have room for them right now, so I'd have to change my mind, I think, about Inter-Miami. Uh, so I'm, I guess it's because I, because I'm New England is a strong buy for me. So it's between Inter and Miami and Toronto for the last. New England is a strong buy for you. I mean, I, my, even though I'm, I'm so bullish on this Toronto, they still got to make up that, that space and everything's going to change. And again, just, just as a reminder between fifth place, which is Columbus at 34 points and 12th place, which is Atlanta, it's four points. So this is uh, this is nuts. I mentioned, you know, that I had uh, talked to my friend uh, Matt Doyle over there at uh, Major League Soccer, and by the way, I talked to my friend um, Mark Connolly, who uh, I, I worked with at, uh, at ESPN. He does a lot of stuff. He's actually kind of your counterpart uh, over uh, at ESPN, and both of them at one point just kind of threw their hands up and said, "This is so MLS in that it is so difficult to predict what is going to happen." and this this parody but they also both were, were right in mentioning that and i said it a little earlier you win three games in a row which is completely oh, every single team that we have mentioned whether i bought or sold them or you too it's still nothing would surprise us in any of these teams going on a three-game run which completely changes your fortunes and complain and, and changes your uh, perspective out there uh okay who do you want to go to now uh, so I assume we're both selling Charlotte and Atlanta to yeah. finish this baby out, and Chicago too. Charlotte and yeah, I mean, I I, I want to hang on to Atlanta, but I just can't do it. Even though they have the same points as Toronto, I'm much more bullish of Toronto than yeah than Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. So. All what right, else? So I think that settles it. Yeah. yeah. So so I'm I'm gonna stick with uh, I'm gonna go with sell for Toronto and keep Inter Miami in there. But I reserve the right to change that yeah, in a yeah. couple weeks when we do this. Of thing. course, of course, this will all be changed <laughs> when it when it turns out wrong. <laughs> uh, should we go over to the West? Yep. Let's do it. Okay. Well, and the only teams safe there are LAFC and Austin. But I will say there are teams like Minnesota that the way they're playing, I would be pretty shocked if they didn't make the playoffs. Um, so. Um, so we should probably take this. Um, so you're saying that LA, oh. LAFC and Austin are your safe in the West. Yeah. Although, Who, who'd you put safe over in the East? You put Philadelphia, Montreal, and New NYCFC. York. And it, okay, got it. Although, I mean, am I am I overrating the danger with Dallas, Minnesota, RSL? Are you, are you prepared to call those teams safe too? No, no. I, so, I, so you, I would only put LAFC and Austin, and I would even put a caveat over Austin not in not yeah no in terms of safe yes LAFC in Austin but Dallas Minnesota RSL you don't think they're safe but you would certainly buy yes yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. so we, we should really start digging in from the galaxy on that. exactly uh yeah so we and so we're gonna look at uh six through eleven um okay but so first off I mean LAFC right now is the cream of the crop they are the super club and let's be honest the only super club in Major League Soccer uh, right now. Austin is kind of like a an NFT. Stu, Stu Holden talks about his NFTs all the time in that there is incredible value, 
but there's this incredible risk in the way that they play. And I don't know if it is sustainable from a MLS Cup uh, perspective, but they're definitely making it. Dallas is like, you know, just a, a blue chip type of stock, you know, I don't know. A, a, a car company or something uh, something like that and, and minnesota as long as they believe they're good i believe they're good but I, it doesn't matter what i believe i'm not sure they yet believe that they are as good as uh as they actually uh, as they actually are so yeah let's start at salt lake go ahead yes or no are you buying salt lake yeah, yeah, I'm buying. you are i mean to continue with the analogies i guess salt lake is you know this um like a uh a Raytheon or something like that. It's not sexy. It's not, uh, you know, it's very secretive in that they, they, j- j- they, just, they just go ahead and just do their thing, right? And they don't care what anybody says. They don't make a lot of noise. They don't get a lot of attention. Um, uh, yeah, I'm definitely buying them uh, from I'm a playoff al- perspective. I'm also buying the Galaxy. Now, I, <laughs> this game against Seattle is huge, so I might change my mind as, as early as Friday evening, depending on that. But I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting to this Vancouver win they just had, but I, I think they might have found something. And, you know, Brugman's been a nice addition. Delgado, healthy again. Uh, Puig coming in. All of a sudden, there's a pretty nice-looking midfield there. Uh, Jovalich, Chicharito up top. I, there's the makings of a good team there. And, you know, Grand Sears scored a couple of goals. Maybe they'll start getting some production from the wings. Uh, so I, I'm buying the Galaxy. I'm not buying the Galaxy. <laughs> um, and, and look, as you said, Friday might change everything. I think it's a huge game on Friday against, uh, against Seattle. So I, I am not buying the Galaxy. The Galaxy is kind of like... Um, um, what was it? The other? Blackberry. Remember Blackberry? <laughs> it's a, a once great... Uh, and very, very successful and lucrative type of stock to have. And the the rest of the world kind of has passed them by. Uh, I'm selling Nashville. Uh, I don't like what I've seen from that team. We just did their home loss to Minnesota. So I think they drop out. You do. I'm still sticking with Nashville, but they are a one-trick pony with Hani uh, Mukta. They're like, a, they're like a Peloton. There we go. <laughs> In terms of buying stocks. I think, amazingly enough, another chapter in this epic Portland-Seattle rivalry is going to be the two of them battling for a playoff spot in the tail end of the season. I think Seattle gets it. Uh, they extend their streak. I'm buying Seattle, selling Portland. I agree. I, I completely agree. Uh, now, keep in mind that Seattle, next, week, next their next game is against Portland. So they got uh, an interesting couple of weeks uh, uh, coming up here. No, uh, no dice for Colorado. No love for Colorado Selling and Colorado anybody. And Colorado, Vancouver, Vancouver, Houston, San Jose, and uh, and Kansas City. Everybody, if you haven't sold them yet, then you might be left holding the bag when it comes uh, to these stocks. And you know, as we said, it, it is it is going to change. And you know, when I when I talked to my uh, my friends, both Mark Connolly and uh, and Matt Doyle, we were uh, on, on separate calls, but it was it always came back to kind of giggling about how strange and unique and in, in its uniqueness, how wonderful this league this, this league can be and how things can change very, very rapidly with a couple of wins. Like I said, uh, three wins in a row and everything changes for you. And there will be a team here in the next month that gets three wins. And we will look at them completely different. Probably one of the teams that we sold <laughs> in, our, uh, in our segment here. Uh, anything else, Mossy? All right, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, oh, yeah, I teased it last week uh, or our last show. I'm going to give you my all-time U.S. men's national team starting 11. Don't go anywhere. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back. And yes, I am about to give you my all-time U.S. men's national team starting 11. Now, I have been asked this over the years, and it's it's changed. Obviously, it's changed with time as different players have come uh, in and out. And my my philosophy has changed. And I don't want to, you know, you know, don't be a jerk and and uh, say, well, you you know, your left side's overloaded here or anything like that. This is this is an eleven that I believe would be awesome. Okay, it's not without flaws, but this is who I think would be my, well, who I know would be mine. And as we said, it comes off of the uh, five-a-side question that we had on the last show. Okay, so here we go, Masi. Ready? In goal, the great Tony Miola. And for the same reason I had him on my five-a-side team, I'm having him on this team. And I will repeat that when it comes to using your feet and distributing out of the back and the ability to hit short balls and long balls with authority and accuracy, there is no one better. And again, the, the irony of him playing at a time, by the way, he, he played at a time even when you could pass the ball back to him and he could pick it up. And playing out of the back certainly was not something that we talked about and it was not revered in the way that it is now. And so I have Tony Miola, who could play in any era, and in particular this era, I think he would be invaluable and be what we looked at as one of the greats when it comes to the sweeper-keeper and the start of playing out of the back and the ability to hit those diagonal balls. Keep in mind that the U.S., you know, we, we may have struggled at times from other positions, but when it comes to goalkeeper, we got a lot of talent. And so I'm starting Miola over the likes of Brad Friedel and Casey Keller and Tim Howard, and the list goes on and on and on. So that's who I have in goal. Thoughts on uh, Tony Miola before I uh, move on? I mean, you're really going against convention there because I, I think most people view Brad Friedel, Casey Keller, and Tim Howard as having been of higher pedigree and accomplished more in their careers than Tony. But I know you've always... Well, they're not romantics because I am going to play a style that does adhere to playing out of the back. And I'm going to believe uh, and die on the hill that possession is good and not to just frivolously give the ball away and not to be pragmatic and actually to practice what I preach and play out of the back. And in order to do that, I am going to go with, uh, with Tony Miola. And that's not to say that Tony Miola can't save the ball. Uh, to your point, I'll tell you a story, real quick story. If you had come out and watched the 1994 U.S. men's national team train, you would have walked away from the field after seeing Tony Miola and Brad Friedel train. And there is not a chance in hell that if, if you didn't know what was going on, that you would say that Tony Miola should be the starting goalkeeper. And yet, each and every time that Tony Miola got on the actual field and played a game, he would come up big. He was the definition of a gamer. And so whatever happened in training, again, if form is fallacy, then training at times can be fallacy too. But man, oh man, when that whistle blew and it was a game, the dude, Tony would stand on his head and I was there plenty of times and he saved my ass plenty of times except in that Romania game when he forgot to cover the near post I, on Dan I Petresco. can do a whole podcast on third, that had to face Brazil in the round of I can do a whole podcast on the cheating the cross <laughs> moment and that and that game and why to this day I will stand up for Tony because the amount of crosses that he anticipated and picked off I will take that even though in the most important moment uh he made a crucial wasn't a mistake. It was just a miscalculation as to, uh, and he got dinged. And we knew at some point it would happen, but we were the risk was worth the reward of him cutting out things at the pass. Anyway, uh, we spent a lot of time on goalkeeper, much too much for goalkeepers, whether it's Tony or anybody else. All right, I have, and this is I, I could have picked others, including Frankie Hadick and Graham Zuzzi, and uh, there's certainly others out there. The great Fernando Clavijo, uh, rest in peace. I am going to go with current LAFC head coach. Steve Terundolo at my right back position. Uh, he gives me a consistency. He gives me a quality. He gives me a quiet leadership that I am going to need on that right-hand side. Just rattle off the whole back four. All right. Next to him, Marcelo Balboa. 
All right. Oh, oh I should say that, uh, notwithstanding my incredible uh, ego and arrogance, I've decided that I cannot be included in this 11. Marcelo Balboa. All right, my partner in crime back there on the back line. I picked him over guys like Gooch and, as I said, myself and others out there. I'll have him on the right-hand side um, in all his glory and all his hair. Uh, the man was incredibly gifted and skilled, but he was a killer. He would take you, the ball, the uh, first three rows of the stands, and everything else out in one fell swoop. and not even miss a beat. Next to him, uh, current Atlanta United, I don't know what his title is right now, but uh, mucky muck over there uh, for now, Carlos Bocanegra over the likes of Eddie Pope, likes of, I don't know, Demerit. You can go on and on about center backs. We've had plenty of great center backs over the years uh, right now. So I have Carlos Bocanegra, nice cultured left foot, obviously the captain for many, many years. Uh, so I got those leadership, leadership qualities there. And then on the left-hand side, one of the great left foots in U.S. soccer history. And this is where I was, I was really torn because I wanted to put DeMarcus Beasley, you know, but I am go actually going to go with Jeff Agus on that left-hand side. So that's my back four. Jeff Agus, again, a consistency, a cultured left foot that I think is going to come into play when he's diming out a lot of the incredible attacking talent that I have in front of him. Uh, my two big glaring omissions I was going to highlight were going to be Eddie Pope and DeMarcus Beasley. So I would have had Pope above, frankly, either Balbo or Bocanegra. Okay. And I would have had Beasley above Agus. Okay. Um, let's go on the – and I played kind of a 4-4-2, okay? I know that's a kind of a throwback, too, so you can yell and scream about me, that uh, scream about it that I don't do that. On the right-hand side, I have Tab Ramos. When people ask me who the greatest – uh, male American soccer player is, I always say that it is Tab Ramos. He was a man out of time. Um, he was slumming it with us in terms of his ability, his low center of gravity, his ability to keep the ball, his ability to get out of trouble. Uh, at times, I almost felt bad playing on the same team and on the same field with him because he was obviously head and shoulders above us in terms of his ability and how he thought about the game, and obviously how he played uh, yeah, about the game. Now, that means that someone like Kobe Jones doesn't make my uh, 11 over there on the, on the kind of right side. And I know Kobe played different positions, but I'm again, I'm playing a kind of a 4-4-2. In the middle of my 4-4-2, I have Claudio Reyna and Landon Donovan, okay? And they can do different things here. Now, I know I'm giving up some bite. I know I'm giving up some defensive midfield type of responsibilities here, but you know what? I'm throwing caution to the wind. I'm going four. I'll beat you four to three if I have to. I know I'm, maybe I'm going to let in some goals and it's going to be problematic. Now, keep in mind, that's over players like, I mentioned Pablo Mastriani in my, in my uh, five-a-side, Jermaine, Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, John O'Brien, these types of players over there. So Claudio Reyna and uh, Landon Donovan in the middle. And on the left-hand side, uh, Christian Pulisic. So my middle four is Tab Ramos, Claudio Reyna, Landon Donovan, and Christian Pulisic. I'll say I've seen worse as far as people take <laughs> no 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 as far as people take liberties with positions in these all-time best 11s like France football put together a global best 11 and they turned Pelé and Maradona into wingbacks it was one of the most shameful things I've ever seen in my life so I try yeah, to be realistic yeah this is unbalanced okay. I mean if you were going to put together a truly functional team you would drop one of the attacking players and have a holding midfielder Michael Bradley type you know have a midfield three of let's say Bradley Reyna and Ramos and then a front three of I don't want to uh, step on the guys you're about to say, but you you have you know. Well, I'm only I'm going four up front too. Four so. out and out attacking exactly. players and Landon, Christian, and then the two you're about to say. So you you would drop one of those if you were doing a, like a more fun. Yes, team. exactly. I'd have much more of a defensive midfielder type of thing going on here. Uh, and then up top, I have uh, the great Clint Dempsey, our colleague, coming up by the way in uh, uh, in Qatar for our World Cup coverage. Can't wait to uh, work with him in November and December during the World Cup. You know, and that means that someone like Clint Mathis uh, doesn't get the uh, doesn't get the nod there, uh, or my friend. Uh, well, hold on a sec. Next to him, I have Brian McBride, and I've talked a lot about how I, important Brian McBride was as a player, and how much I loved having a Brian McBride. And I only played when at, kind of at the start of his career, and he only got better and better with time. But yes, he's a, a kind of traditional and classic type of nine striker uh, up there. But he was much more than just what he did with his head. Smart, smart player, great guy in the locker room, and 
would run through a wall, as is evidenced by uh, what we showed a couple weeks ago with the, uh, the bloody game in the World Cup against Italy. So that means that a guy like Josie Altidore did not make my lineup, and a guy like Eric Winalda did not make my lineup. I'm sure I'll hear about that. Well, you'd have to have Eric Winalda as a left-sided midfielder because to hear him tell it, that's where he played half his games. Yeah, he did. He did play out there. So either way, he doesn't make it, either as a striker or he's uh, second fiddle to Christian Pulisic. That should really, really excite him. All right. uh, Anything else uh, you want to say about that? No, no, no. I think, okay. like I said, just Pope and Beasley are the two names. I want exactly. To and, and look, you, you'd be fine with Pope, uh, Beasley, uh, others out there. So there could be a lot of changes. I got to make, make a choice at some point. And I know while, while I'm kind of front-loading a lot of creative talent, I'm also in the back kind of going with uh, much more consistency because, you know, like a guy, obviously like a guy like Beasley who could just, do incredible things and get up and down and do different things. He brings a whole lot to the table there, but I'm maybe I'm being a little boring and maybe I'm be, I'm being a little pragmatic when it comes to some of those decisions in the back there. All right. All right. We, we got more than we bargained for with that segment. I don't know if we're going to get a Hall of Fame induction speech for each guy, but uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what we got. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with uh, my one for the road because uh, we're almost at the end of this show. So don't go anywhere. All right, we're back, and we're going to wrap it up here with my one for the road. Uh, the, the Ask Alexi questions, and thank you so much for continuing to uh, send them through. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to shift those to the, uh, to the next show. There were some here, but like I said, you know, we, don't want, we don't want to keep you here forever, and so we kind of want to wrap this, uh, this thing up. And, uh, but I want to remind you, uh, as I've mentioned now numerous times, we do have our new handles when it comes to all of the social media platforms out there, your Twitters and your Instagrams and your TikToks, and that's S-O-T-U with Alexi. That's at S-O-T-U with Alexi. We really appreciate if you follow them uh, out there. As I said, uh, you will get exclusive content, and it's specific to the State of the Union out there. And of course, we have our State of the Union podcast hotline at 657-549-2297. That's 657-549-2297. Nine seven. All right, my one for the road, Mossy. Uh, I, I was on uh, the old Twitter machine today or yesterday, and people were asking me about uh, the um, some shoes. Right now, I call them cleats. What do you call them? You call them boots, or do you call them cleats? Cleats. Okay, because there's some you know snobs out there that you know don't want you calling it cleats. I grew up calling them my soccer cleats. Okay, and. Soccer cleats as a piece of equipment are very personal and obviously are a very important piece when it comes to uh, what you're doing because this is a game where you're kicking the ball and so what you have on your foot and your footwear is crucial. And I have worn every different type of brand. My first pair of cleats ever, I'll never forget, my mom took me to, uh, to the sporting goods store, if you will, and we bought a pair of Spalding soccer cleats, and I wore them with pride. Now, this was before I started to see posters of players, and I started to see some games and stuff like that and kind of see what was, what was going on. But I grew up wearing, like I said, uh, Spalding. I grew up wearing Patricks. Uh, I grew up wearing Lottos and Umbros and all sorts of different things. And there are so many different uh, you know, brands out there. Obviously, the two big ones in Adidas uh, and Nike, but I wore Pumas. Uh, Puma Kings are huge. Uh, when it comes to Adidas and Nike, there are Nike Vapors and Tiempos and Mercurials. Actually, the first game I ever played in Serie A, I wore Nike cleats. And although I was a, an Adidas athlete for periods of time during my career, at that point I wasn't and I was trying some different things out. Uh, my first pair of cleats that ever were relative to the game of soccer, and I'm probably not alone out here, are uh, a pair of Copas, which are kind of classic and traditional. They still make them black and white, very, very simple, and it's hard to improve on a classic. Uh, World Cups, which were the uh, the six stud type of shoe and the classics that we saw, were also a big favorite of mine when we started wearing studs. And I'll never forget wearing World Cup 
and filing down the aluminum cleats before games with my friend Mike Lapper. We were insane. I mean, we were literally creating <laughs> lethal weapons on the bottom of our feet with files, filing them down. But the best soccer cleats that I ever wore were mid-90s Adidas Predators. Now, if you were to hold one of them, and I do have one pair left, if you were to hold one of them, you would say, oh my God, these are battle axes. These things are, <laughs> these things are huge. But for me, I was much more concerned with support than being light, um, being, a, uh, being bigger, I, and with a size 12 foot, let's say, I wanted support out there. And so for me, it always came down to uh, predators. But whether you're playing in a World Cup or just starting out, footwear is huge, and, it, it, and it's an important thing. And you never forget that first pair of shoes that you ultimately get. But this is also a reminder that not everybody is able to get shoes. Not everybody is able to afford shoes. Not everybody is able to change shoes if and when their feet too big. And so for all of the people out there, and there's a lot of them out there that, that are donating either money so that people can get new shoes or old pairs of shoes because we know, and if your parents out there, <laughs> the amount of money that is spent on shoes that are used very, very seldomly. If you're out there donating them, thank you and continue to do that out there because sometimes there's never, uh, there's, there, there's something that's never so important as when that soccer player gets that pair of shoes that are theirs. And again, I still vividly remember sitting up before big games and, you know, massaging with mink oil. <laughs> and polishing them and getting them ready for that game. And these are the tools of your trade. And there's so many different ones uh, out there. And sometimes you have to figure out which ones you like best. And there's nothing like a new pair of shoes. As we all know from being kids, sometimes you think you can run faster. And sometimes you think you can jump, jump higher. And that doesn't change even when you become a professional athlete. Uh, yeah, you get more pairs of shoes, but there's nothing like a good fitting pair of soccer cleats out there. It can change a player <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Masi, you remember your first shoes you ever had for soccer cleats? I don't. You honest. don't? No. Do you have one that you look at now and say, hey, th those are, I mean, if you had your druthers. I think I wore Adidas. Yeah? Yeah. Well, good story, Masi. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, your all-time US 11 took me back to our pandemic shows. Remember, we, right? we had no live soccer, so it was all doing these all these all-time lists and things. I know, yeah. I was just I was just thinking about that. I mean, it's it, it is such a crazy time that we lived through, and I hope we don't. <laughs> hopefully, we're heading in the right direction. Hope we don't ever have to go through it again. But it did produce some really interesting stuff, and you know, uh, out of necessity, we had to get creative and doing some different things. And I'm proud of a lot of the work that we did uh, We did through that in some extraordinary and at times difficult and challenging uh, situations. Talking television shows was something we started during those days and it became a staple right? of the show even now. Right, right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, there's a, there's a silver lining for you. All right, listen, uh, we appreciate uh, everybody hanging out with us again, uh, again this week. As we mentioned, there's lots of games that are going on literally as we are speaking right now and continuing on for the week. Some wonderful, wonderful games. Wherever you're watching or whatever, you're watching i hope you're having a, a wonderful time we'll be back again with two more shows uh next week and as i mentioned we're trying to hook up some interviews uh with some interesting guests going forward too to add to that continual feed of content when it comes to the state of the union continue to write uh continue to send us in your questions uh with the ask alexi questions uh or with the state of the union podcast hotline at 657-549-2297 continue to review continue to uh, to rate and again those new handles out there. We really appreciate if you follow us on all the different social media platforms. S-O-T-U with Alexi. That's S-O-T-U with Alexi. Anything before we go, Mossy? All right, we will see you next show. And until then, and as always, size the day. Size the day.